Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can just put it right back there. So I was reading a Time article this week about the disrepair of an ancient church. Um, These ancient church ruins in the easternmost parts, the easternmost parts of church history, um, which is like the Byzantine Empire area. This article told the story from the perspective of this tour group that recently went after COVID ended and they were so excited to get back out traveling. And they went um, and they were kind of um, distraught about what they found. Um, It all began with a hike through the mountains just east of the Black Sea between where Turkey and Russia now sit. And this group, they came upon the ruins of what once was a Byzantine church unparalleled in its beauty. Local rock there had been fashioned into the kind of arches and stonework that fill architecture books. And those buildings became the canvases of artists whose religious murals defined sacred artwork throughout generations. Thousands of years ago, these cathedrals were built amidst the flourishing 
of the spread of Christianity through this region, its walls and its spires reaching into the heavens, this beacon for the Christ that they professed. But as centuries passed, the centrality of these churches and that region waned, as you would expect, from core to like peripheral to now just an afterthought. Civilization had just moved on and grew past them and the religious landscape shifted right in their backyard and the most beautiful parts of the stone had been sold away as had the carvings and the doors and the floors and even the roof. And in their place are now all manner of purposes. Some are museums, some are soccer fields, some are abandoned lots and abandoned farms. All that remains of such ruins are their walls, maybe, maybe an arch or two. And if you're lucky enough, as the tour group was that day, you might, if the light is perfect, you might see the slightest hint of a, of a mural that has survived the wear of, of all those years. Faded but unmistakable is the face of Christ Eyes wide and, and, and arresting, arms raised, fingers curled and blessing to the church that is nowhere to be found. That very same region once was the land fertile with the growth of the church, though. The land Paul set forth to share the good news. The land of the Galatians and the Colossians and, yes, the Ephesians. Today we are in our fourth week of a sermon series called Swole Church, in which we are traversing ourselves like a tour group through the Turkish mountains, through the ruins of this, these Ephesians, scouring for some strength for our journey, some wisdom in how we ought to build the body and exercise our strength now as the church today. And so here's where we've been so far. Um, if, here's where we've been. We have... Um, walked through the church being built on the ground, built in the glory, built to last. And to bring you all up to speed, if you haven't been a part of this so far, we um, are breaking the other four weeks of this series down using what is the High Five Strengths Test. Highfivetest.com um, is where you go. And people have been taking this test, letting us know um, their strengths. And I'm going to kind of give you the inside today of which ones of these are feeling traits, motivating traits, um, thinking traits, doing traits. So that was that um, feeling, motivating, thinking, doing. The link was up at highfivetest.com. Do not have to take it during the sermon. You can do it later. Um, I, I also will not... I will not actively encourage you to do it during Brett's songs, but can't prevent you from doing that. Um, so we are going to map our, our we're going to map our 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 strengths today, um, and they are broken down into feeling and motivating and thinking and doing. Um, we're going to talk today specifically about the feeling traits um, as it relates to Ephesians three, but um, I do invite you uh, to. Uh, fill out, if you've already taken the test, to fill out the little sticky around you um, with your five traits. 
And you may not know the answer yet to the final question, which is um, what category, which of those four, feeling, motivating, thinking, doing, do you predominantly fall in? Uh, if you have three or more traits, in a particular category, I would call that predominant, that category. But if, say, two were in one and two were in another, um, then I would say you um, are kind of split between, and where you would put your sticker would be kind of somewhere between those two. You see what I'm saying? We're going to put a sticker up there. So eventually, throughout the whole series, we're going to kind of map this whole thing, see as a church where we fall, and see where we're missing. Like, where is the body, um, where is the body strong? Where is the body um, weak? But before we do that, um, yeah, you, we can, um, we'll come back to this in a few minutes. So over the past few weeks, we've talked about what it means to build the church on the ground in the glory, the church that will last, and to find strength, not in brute force, but instead from the inside, the quiet, often unseen places of our lives and our church where where the health is critical to the overall whole of the church. We've considered what it means to invite Christ to move into our lives and into our church, not just for a, a short stay or an, ex, or an extended visit, but rooting and grounding us within um, this church for the good of the world. And with such a foundation, we turn towards those feelers in our midst today and turn toward our scripture for today. Did you hear it? This is Paul's prayer for us today. Um, and we'll put that, um, that scripture up, um, up here. This is our pa Paul's prayer for us today, that according to the riches of his glory, Christ may grant you strength in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love so that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and know, know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. So first, Paul prays that we might comprehend with all the saints. Like comprehend or understand can really be translated as to grasp, to grasp, to hold on to truth that is beyond our capacity for full and comprehensive knowing. Paul um, says to grasp what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. But notice that Paul does not tell us what the vast dimensions we're grasping are. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth of what exactly? Context clues tell us that the writer wants us to comprehend the incomprehensible, to understand the limitless, to grasp that which can't be contained or caught, and that is the vast boundlessness of God, God's grace and God's mercy and God's love made flesh in Jesus Christ that spills over from any attempt of the human imagination or reason to ever capture it whole. Then the prayer continues, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. To know the unknowable, that which is beyond knowledge, an oxymoron of utter significance. For that which we are to know is the vast, 
boundless love of Christ, a love we never fully can understand because it trespasses all of our boundaries. We humans use to contain love, right? To limit love, to make it reasonable, always reasonable and defined and specific. So how are we to be swole as the church? How are we to build the body and exercise our strengths? How are we to grasp this limitless and, and, and know the unknowable? Sorry to insult your DC Metro intelligence, but Paul is making it clear that the church must be built by first being felt. The love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, has to first be felt. It's not by thinking or by doing or even motivating that we are filled with the fullness of God. It is only when we realize how this love trespasses all our boundaries to contain love and limit love and make love reasonable and defined and specific and instead allow ourselves to feel love that we will be filled with the fullness of God. Paul returns to this theme from the beginning of his letter in, in the Ephesians where he praises God, gives thanks for Jesus Christ, and exhorts the church to be his extensions, his, his reach here in the world. And when this gospel is felt, not known, not done, not told even, but when it's felt, there is unmistakable power in that. God has put all things under Christ's feet and made Christ the head of all things for the church so that his body might know the fullness of him who fills all in all. When the gospel is felt, it is unmistakable. Fullness here is is just another word for like completeness. The gospel must be felt so that you may be completed by the one who completes all things. The church is not complete without its feelers, without the ones who challenge us with their hearts and their tears, without the ones that cry at every song on Sunday, <laughs> without the ones that, that challenge us with their, with their compassion and their mercy and their depth of experience and emotion to feel the gospel needed and at work in our midst. And this is the hard and maybe overlooked truth for the rest of us who really like to elevate thinking and doing and persuading over stopping to feel what needs to be felt. We know from the earliest words in Ephesians that this letter was written to the church, but it could be words directly for you and me today. And how quickly we assume that whatever power we have comes from ourselves, from our striving, from our cunning ability, the way, the way we like to use words so well, and our strategic thinking and our stick to itness. How often we think that the mysteries of God in this world are easily explained, rationally considered, and well within our reach. How tightly we draw the boundaries of Christ's love within our knowledge. Not Christ's knowledge, but our knowledge. Our sense of who's in and who's out. Our sense of what's right and what's wrong. How filled we are with our agendas and our calendars and our plans and our goals and our desires instead of being filled with God in all the divine fullness that must be felt. When I think about our feelers, and I think about those 
how little we have of them in this area, and uh, also those, this conversation as a whole. I think of um, a poem by T.S. Eliot. You'll see it here. This poem, remember us, if at all, not as lost, violent, passionate souls, but only as the hollow men, the stuffed men. Too often we are hollow and our feelers hold us accountable to that. Too often we're hollow and therefore we're stuffed. You know what this means. We're empty, all of us, we know, with grief or anger or fear or crisis or sin, all of us. And therefore, we need the gospel more than anything else. But instead of feeling it, we stuff ourselves with degrees and busyness and distraction and money and sometimes addiction. We press God to find out the limits of God's love, to fill the void in our lives, and we struggle to trust a love whose breadth and length and height and depth stretches beyond our wildest dreams. We think we can think or work or buy ourselves out of that void, and we fail to realize that the fullness of God fills even the emptiest of places just because God can and God does. Even the mere risk of feeling what needs to be felt, letting go, laying down, emptying, giving up, having less, clenching, unclenching our, our grip on what we have and what we think we need is just too big of a risk to bear. For what, what could be worth such an act? It feels like too big of a risk, yes, but, but that's why it's so important that we build the church and exercise our strengths, that we lean on our feelers and lean into those feeling parts of ourselves, those, those people and parts of ourselves that are already so equipped to pause and feel what needs to be felt and offer compassion where compassion needs to be offered and sense the fullness of God that fills all in all. And so let's talk about those, um, who those people are in our midst today. Um, those are our, of course, empathizers, right? Empathizers in our midst are, um, are those who are great at noticing how others feel and use that understanding to do good, to do something good in their lives. They're frustrated when asked to disregard their feelings, deeply frustrated and emo to, to disregard their emotions. People who are flippant about feelings and emotions, empathizers find that really offensive and they follow a strict logic based on how they feel about others. Those who are coaches in our midst are also a part of this. Anybody a coach? Anybody who is an empathizer? Anybody come up as an empathizer? Ah, oh, you sweet, huh? <laughs> you sweet little lady. Anybody coaches in our midst? Any coaches? We had quite a bit of coaches. The coaches are also in that feeling category. It's a little bit different. Those coaches among us enjoy discovering the potential in other people, right? and support other people's personal growth. <laughs> they find it hard, too, to accept when this potential is being wasted, if they feel their own potential is being wasted, but also the potential of others. That's where their um, mama bear, papa bear comes in, right? Um, those optimists are also a part of our feelers. Who are optimists in the room? It's a different kind of feeling. Hey, Brett, yeah. high five, optimists! <laughs> Optimists, 
Awesome. Any optimists? This is why, this is why my staff member is Brett, right? Because we're both optimists. I literally say anything and he'll be like, yeah, totally, that's going to happen. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. Um, the optimists in our midst, um, they enjoy giving praise on, on what's right about the world, what's right about people, <laughs> what's right about the church. And they're grateful for what, is, what they have and what's right here. They're, because they feel, they connect with it on this feeling level that makes them believe in the goodness of this person or the world or this church. They find it hard to be around people who constantly pick out what's wrong with everything. The peacekeepers, who are our peacekeepers in the room? Anybody have a peacekeeper? Did anybody come up as a peacekeeper? That's another one. The peacekeepers is another one of our five feeling. That's okay. We don't have to have peacekeepers. Y'all can just all stay in conflict. All good. Um, peacekeepers are masters at um, the way they feel is through their, their establishing of balance, finding alignment and building bridges among people to get the best outcomes in the world. But they deeply, they deeply care and feel for others. They feel emotionally drained by constant frictions among people and because their feeling has room for only compassion and mercy. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they want to make that uh, a part of everyone's life. Um, and then finally, our chameleons. Anybody a chameleon? Hey, look at you. Um, chameleons, uh, are, they feel through excitement. Um, yes, they feel through excitement um, from constantly changing environments, from somebody always changing the game on them a little bit, um, um, from, you know, uh, they feel through probably big, big events, they feel through exciting moments, um, they feel through surprises and unexpected detours and working on the fly and it makes them feel full and they could feel that fullness of God rise up in them. They are bored to tears by predictability and routine. Um, yeah, you never know whether this church is gonna, what, what the, that, that's welcome to Kingstown. <laughs> We're a little scrappy, welcome. Um, so at Kingstown, we put a huge amount of effort into not being stuffed men here, right? Our feelers don't like the stuffed men. <laughs> they, they want real people. They want realness at heart. And we put a lot of effort into not being stuffed men here. We don't need excess here, right? We've got a trailer. <laughs> We're not stuffed and overflowing. We've got a trailer. Well, actually, some people will, anybody who's worked with a trailer may go, that trailer needs to be cleaned out. But <laughs> it might be a stuffed trailer. But we've only got a trailer. We've only got a trailer. And, and, and here we are. This is us. This real and scrappy and, off, as, and as authentic as we can be. Um, and so we already kind of live out of that. And yet, because of the area that we're in, very we have very few feelers in our midst. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna guess that we have very few feelers in our midst. Um, and we're in a continual process here at Kingstown, right, of releasing and unburdening ourselves from what, is, what has filled us and what has filled the church um, to overflowing and to, um, to needless consumption for years and years upon years. We want to get rid of all of that. And even with such a grand and communal emptying, God continues to invite us to still loosen our grip on our money and our resources and anything that provides us a sense of comfort and security and assuredness so that we might be free to feel at the core of the gospel, 
so that we might be freed from all of the stuff, the stuffed menness, stuffed womenness, stuffed peopleness, to be free to feel the gospel, to feel in this courageous and creative and collaborative way the gospel as we move through the world. Why? So that we may be filled with all the fullness and completeness of God, with God's love and God's peace and joy and hope and care and justice and generosity and grace. I don't know why the Byzantine church in Turkey um, lays in unkept ruins now. I don't know what led it there. I would imagine that those who built its walls did so to create a space where the gospel could be felt a space in which to capture the mystery of God, to give all who could take up residence within the imagination of the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's greatness and love. I'm sure there are a number of forces that led to such an outcome. But I wonder if we might hear for ourselves an invitation to consider how we attend carefully and intentionally to the presence of God being felt in our midst. I wonder what might happen if we ask God to take the empty space of our lives, our church, even our, even our space, and not leave them abandoned, but instead to take root and fill them with the fullness of love that demands to be felt, felt deep in our bones. And I can't predict the future, but I have boundless hope that within, because I'm an optimist, I have boundless hope, it's overflowing, y'all, that within the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of our time and place, we'll catch a glimpse of the face of Christ. It's not, not going to be a faded mural. The, with eyes wide open and arresting arms raised and fingers curled and blessing to a church that's been built beyond its walls, not stuffed, but to feel and bring about the kingdom of God right in our midst. That's my hope. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the feelers in our midst, and uh, thank you for the thinkers and the doers and the motivators, too. We, um, God, we may not pause, may not truly um, empty ourselves often enough to truly feel what takes place in this room. I know there are people here who, when others say they feel the presence of God, they have spent all their life wondering, what does that even mean? I don't know what that means. I, I do this because I believe, but I don't know what it means to even feel it. So empty us, God. Because not a single one of us is without feeling. Not a single one of us is, is not capable of connecting to the God of the universe and feeling the weight and the power of being called God's child. Of being loved so deeply of being sent to do amazing things in the world. There's, a, there's something to be felt and moved by that. So move within us, God, and if we can't, empty us of all the stuff so that we might be moved.
We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Before we um, move on, I just, I'm going to um, help you all who cannot see these and just to prepare in advance, but feel free as you receive communion to walk over and take a look and post your, um, post your, um, your sticker if you have it. Um, under thinking, um, it's strategist, thinker, analyst, philomath, and um, brainstormer. You could probably have guessed the majority of those. <laughs> um, if you were a thinker, I mean, they're, uh, they're right there. Um, under motivating is catalyst, storyteller, winner, commander, self-believer. Under doing is deliverer, focus expert, problem solver, timekeeper, believer. Um, so if you have three or more, you are profoundly one. Um, but if you kind of straddle an area, and if you are one of those blessed people who four of yours are different, um, and you got two in one category, um, but that, you're still got two in one category, because you have to have at least two in one category, because there's five. So it's going to break it. But bless you. Um, you could just put your name right there. <laughs> um, There is peace at the